You're listening to an encore presentation of the Christine Upchurch Show. Christine would like to wish everyone the warmest and happiest of holidays. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Christine Upchurch Show, where we have stellar conversations to illuminate your journey. I'm speaking to you today from Hubbard Radio on KKNW AM 1150. You might be listening live on WBLQ AM 1230 in Connecticut, Rhode Island, or New York. You might be listening somewhere on the 35 stations in Australia or anywhere around the world on Transformation Talk Radio. Perhaps through iTunes or in one of the archives on ChristineUpchurch.com. But wherever and whenever you're listening from, you're going to be grateful you joined us today because we've got a VIP guest who's got such wonderful insight that can help each and every one of us sort of shift in our daily lives. But before I get into that, I'd like to say hello to my better half here in the studio who allows you to hear these wonderful conversations, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hi, Benny. Hi, good day. And (laughs) week's over. Yes, and you, you, are, you are a busy man, and I've seen you multitasking. And as I said a few minutes ago, you, you were saying, there's only one of me, and I'm like, I'm sure I've seen at least two of you at once. Oh, well, it's, it's probably uh, true, uh, a doppelganger of some sort, or I have my own <laughs> twin somewhere, even along with my own twin voice. Um, no, it's just a crazy week we're wrapping up uh, uh-huh. with the elections yep, and yep. moving forward and people adjusting and yes. let's have at it. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of healing to be done and a lot yeah. of shifting and we have a, a, a fabulous opportunity for transformation. That's right. You know, if you're looking at this as a plus mm-hmm. or a minus, it's, it, it is what it is yep. and it's time to move forward. Absolutely. And speaking of moving forward. Moving forward to next Thursday, Thursday night. I know you guys, I've been telling you about this. If you live here in the Seattle area, I'm presenting at East West Bookshop. And I will be talking about the top 10 myths about spirituality. You may have heard me talking about this on the Dr. Pat show. You may be following my blog series about that that very topic. But if you want to sort of connect with your spirituality more deeply and sort of break through the, the, the cultural perception of what spirituality is and experience it in a, in a more real and moment-to-moment fashion, then please join me at 7 p.m. On, at East West Bookshop. And you can find out more by going to christineupchurch.com or to go to eastwestbookshop.com. Okay, I'm so excited about my guest today. This is somebody who has an amazing story. And not only does she have a, a fabulous story to share, she has gotten such deep wisdom and is able to express it in such a grounded and accessible way. Um, She's a fabulous teacher. I had the opportunity to see her at Celebrate Your Life a little over a year ago. So, so impressed. And I've I've been reading her books and I'm I'm just, I I, I love this woman and what she has to offer. And the person I'm talking about is Anita Morjani. She's an international speaker. She presents at workshops and conferences around the world. She's a New York Times bestselling author for Dying to Be Me, and her new book is called What If This Is Heaven? In Dying to Be Me, oh gosh, it was translated into something like 45 languages, sold more than a million copies worldwide, and I think that Hollywood producer Ridley Scott has optioned the the rights for a full-length feature film. It's such an amazing story. She was given just a few hours to live. And she was unable to move. She was in a coma caused by cancer. And then she entered another realm, this near-death experience kind of realm that people talk about. But she had such clarity and understanding about her life and her purpose here on Earth that she was, and when she was given the choice to either stay and cross over or return here, she chose to return with some great discoveries and insights to share with us. 
And in her new book, What If This Is Heaven?, she invites readers to create heaven in a fear-based world. And we, boy, do we have that today. And she debunks, I get this, 10 common cultural myths that most of us accepted without question. I love the synchronicity of the universe. You know, putting this together here, I'm going to be talking about top 10 spiritualness on Thursday. She is talking about the, the, these top 10 cultural myths and interestingly enough, we don't have any overlap, which is just fascinating. So there are a lot of myths out there. Anyway, Anita has been interviewed on all these big networks, including CNN and Fox News and the Dr. Oz Show. And I'm so grateful to have her here today, Anita Marjani. Hi, Anita. Welcome. Wow. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much <laughs> for that introduction. I'm so honored to be here. You Thanks. know, it, I I am just so fascinated by your story, and I, I know that... Um, the late and great um, Wayne Dyer heard about your story and based on your blog, and he made Hay House Go search far and wide to find you so that he could support you to, to write your story and get your book published. And I'm so grateful for what he did, and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I know if it wasn't for Wayne... I wouldn't be where I am today, but, you know, I think it was meant to be. I truly did. It was truly divine intervention from Wayne, discovering my story, because I lived in Hong Kong at that time. Uh -huh. and, um, so, yeah, so for him, for someone to have shown him my story on the Internet, which didn't even have my full name, and then for him to tell Hay House to track me down, I mean, it's just an amazing series of synchronicities. So, yes, yes. yes. And it is such an amazing story. I mean, I, I remember at your presentation seeing photos of you towards the end of of that, you know, cancer heading before you headed to the hospital. And I mean, tell us a little bit about where you were at and, and, and what your prognosis was before you sort of transitioned into that other realm. Yes. So I, I had cancer lymphoma for four years. And at that point, um, it had spread throughout my whole body, throughout my lymphatic system. And so I had tumors. I mean, some of them were the size of lemons wow. from the base of my skull, all around my neck and under my arms and my chest, all the way down to my abdomen. So I had these huge tumors and my lungs were filled with fluid, which constantly had to be drained by the doctors. Wow. Um, and they would put needles in my back to drain the fluid. But I was connected up to tubes and, you know, there was a feeding tube because my body stopped absorbing nutrition. So uh -huh. I weighed about 80 pounds. Wow. I couldn't walk you know, because I had no more muscles in my legs. I couldn't walk. I didn't even have the strength in my neck to hold my head up. So my head drooped down. Hmm. And because my lungs were filled with fluid, I couldn't even lie flat. If I lied flat, I would choke on my own fluid. Oh. And I had these open skin lesions that were um, where the toxins in my body were coming out. And I was connected to an oxygen tank. So I was in so much pain and so much discomfort before going into a coma. Mm. Um, and I had been fighting and fighting, and I reached a point where I just gave up fighting because it was just more tiring to stay alive than it was to just let go and die. Right. So there you are in, in the hospital, right, in, in a coma. What did the yeah. doctors tell your husband? They told my husband that I was now dying and that my organs had started shutting down. So they said my kidneys had already shut down and all the other organs were now slowly shutting down one by one and that I was not going to come out of the coma. Mm -hmm. And these were my final hours. Wow. So there he was saying his goodbyes, probably. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he was there by my bedside. My mother was there. Oh. My brother, who lives in India, he was informed and he was rushing to get on an airplane to get to me before I died. Oh, wow. Okay, so then you had an experience. Can you share with us briefly what you know, what happened to you? So, um, so even though my physical body was in a coma, I was actually aware of everything that was going on around me, and I felt amazing. 
You know, I, I just felt free from my body. And it was like I was freed from my body. Uh-huh. I was aware that I was dying. I was going through the dying process. But I could hear, see, and feel everything that everyone was doing. You know, the doctors, the nurses. Right. I could. I, I know they told my husband. I heard, I saw the doctor telling my husband that these were my final hours. I saw him and heard him tell my husband that my organs were now shutting down. Mm -hmm. I heard all the conversations and some of the conversations didn't even take place in the room where my physical body was. Uh So it felt like I had expanded my consciousness or soul or whatever we want to call it, Uh um, had expanded and it was bigger than my body. And my awareness was now outside my physical body. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like looking at things with physical eyes because um, my physical eyes were closed, but it was like I was looking, like I had 360 degree peripheral vision, but from outside of my body. And I was even aware that my physical body was lying there on that hospital bed dying. Mm-hmm. And my and I felt so amazing and powerful and I felt light and I felt free and all the pain was gone. And I, and looking at my physical body, it just looked so small and insignificant compared to what I was feeling now. Uh You know, um, when we come back from the break, I'm going to want you to share what insights you discovered when it went beyond that hospital area and how you've learned to sort of debunk the cultural myths to find heaven on earth. More with Anita Morjani here in just a few moments. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, It was nothing. Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, 
how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Christine Upchurch Show. Christine would like to wish everyone the warmest and happiest of holidays. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW, WBLQ, and Transformation Talk Radio. Oh, I'm talking to Anita Morjani. Um, and Anita, you were talking about this amazing experience of, of having your body be in a coma while your consciousness expands and sort of detaches from the body and goes beyond the hospital room. What happened next? So um, what happened was I felt like I entered this incredible state of clarity. And, um, and of course, I describe it fully in my book. But um, just for the audience here, I'll say it was a, such a state of clarity where I understood why I was in this life. I understood why I had cancer, why, and I understood how every thought and every decision that I had made in my life up to that point led me to be lying in that hospital bed dying on that day. Wow. And I could see it so clearly. And, and I realized that, you know, I had believed up to that point that the cancer was either because of some bad karma and things mm -hmm. I had done in a previous life. I'd also started to believe that maybe I had attracted it in some way or created it with my thoughts, and maybe my thoughts were negative. There were all these reasons that I had as to why I had cancer, and I was fighting to eradicate those reasons. Mm -hmm. But when I was in that realm, I realized it was none of those things, none of those things. What was and it then? The real reason was because I had never, ever loved or valued myself in my entire life. I'd always made myself small, treated myself like a doormat. I'd always been my harshest critic. Oh. I'd always felt unlovable, undeserving, unworthy. I'd been bullied as a child, and I bought into the belief that I wasn't worthy or deserving. I never felt I was good enough. I was a people pleaser. And the cancer was not my enemy. The reason why it was so aggressive was the cancer was like my own energy. We come here to be these beautiful beings of light. And instead of expressing who I truly came here to be, I had repressed it and turned it inward and turned my own energy against me. I was my own worst enemy. Mm. And so the cancer was my own energy being turned against me instead of being turned outward and and allowing me to be, instead of me allowing myself to be all that I came here to be. Mm -hmm. And I really, I started to understand that um, the cancer wasn't there to kill me. I was killing myself before I even got the cancer. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. It's, so it's, it wasn't the enemy. You were your own enemy. Yeah, I was my own enemy. Yeah. I was my own enemy. My body had been trying to communicate with me. My consciousness or higher self or God or whatever we want to call it mm -hmm. had been trying to communicate with me that I am loved, I am worthy, I am deserving. But I was being my own harshest critic, mm -hmm. and I was turning myself against myself. And I never really stopped to listen to my heart, to my inner self. Right. So and, once you had that understanding, what else happened in this other realm? So I, um, I actually encountered my, my father, who had died 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. But in the other realm, I experienced what I call pure, unconditional love or pure divine love. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing like the love that we experience here in the physical. What I realized is that when we die... We not only leave behind our physical bodies, but we leave behind our gender, our race, our religion, 
our culture and all the layers of beliefs that we've accumulated over our lifetime, all of that stays behind. So what crosses over is just pure essence. It's pure love or pure God. We can call it what we like. But this pure essence or God or love that crosses over is so much bigger and so much more powerful than any of the labels we give ourselves or any of the beliefs or labels we accumulate over our lifetime. So what we are without all those things cannot be labeled, and it's huge, and it's so much bigger. And I realized that this essence comes here to express itself through a physical body. And in order to allow it to express itself, and basically I need to allow it to express itself. And when I don't love myself, then I am denying this essence, this God, um, this love to express itself through me. And I realized I, I don't have a right to do that because mm-hmm. I came here to be an expression of God or love or consciousness. And when I deny that, I am actually denying the God force or consciousness from expressing itself through me. Right. And I think most people feel unworthy of having that God force come through them, though, right? Yes, exactly. Most people do feel unworthy. This is why I tell people, you know, people believe it's selfish to love yourself. Uh And I'm not uh, telling you that uh, because people mistake um, loving yourself as being narcissistic. Uh It's not. It's the opposite. People who are narcissistic are the ones who don't love themselves. When you truly love yourself, you love all of you. You love the God force that shines from behind your eyes. Uh You love the person you came here to be. You know, you love that essence, that energy that has chosen to express itself through the vehicle of you. Right. That's what I ask people to do. And you have no right to stop it from doing that because that's why you came here to be a vessel for that force. So there you are with this realization in this other realm, interacting with your father. What prompted you to return to your your very weak and dying physical body? Well, at first, I didn't want to return. My father was saying I needed to go back because it's not my time. Um, But I felt I had a choice, and I said, I don't want to go back because my life is so painful. I'm in so much pain and fear, and my body was dying. My family was suffering. No part of me wanted to go back. Uh But I felt my father was saying that now that you know the truth of who you really are, meaning who I am is this pure essence that Uh expresses itself through a body, Um, and it's supposed to shine its light as bright as possible. So I felt like my father was saying, now that you know the truth of who you really are, um, your body will will heal. And if you choose to go back, your body will heal. And it was at that point that I chose to come back. And as soon as I made the decision to come back, I felt my father telling me that um, go back and live your life fearlessly. And when he said fearlessly, He doesn't necessarily mean go paragliding or bungee jumping, although I could if I wanted to. What he really, what I understand that he really meant was go and be yourself fearlessly. Uh And that's what most people are afraid of. They're afraid of being their true vulnerable self. And that's what he meant. Go be you fearlessly. Well, if we feel unworthy or unlovable, then it's quite the risk to actually be ourselves. To show, (laughs) yeah, to show who we are. And that, that is really the crux of my message. Don't be afraid to be who you are and show your vulnerable self. Mm-hmm. So you came back and you were in this very weakened state. I think yeah. you, you were talking about how surprised everybody was <laughs> when you opened your eyes and, and acted as though you were staying. What happened next? Yeah. So the doctors were very skeptical. They said, oh, she's still critical. She's You know, it's normal to come in and out of a coma. But I started saying things. I was delirious. I had one foot in that side, one foot in this side, Uh on this side. So I was still very weak. And I was saying, Dad is here. Dad said it's not my time. I'm going to be okay. And I wanted to pull out all the tubes and and people and everybody was thinking I was just delirious. Mm -hmm. But 
my family was secretly celebrating that at least I had come out of the coma and I was talking. Yes. But after the third, fourth day, they started to see, the doctors started to see that the tumors were actually melting away. They were just shrinking so rapidly that they didn't even know what to write in my medical records. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then so they were just saying, oh, we don't even know what to write. And then I started saying things like, oh, that was the nurse that was trying to put um, the tubes in my veins, but said that my veins had retracted and this happens to people who are dying. And, and I started repeating conversations that they were saying that was blowing them away. That totally blew them away. And they, then they knew that something had really happened. Uh-huh. And they continued to insist on taking tests, which at that time, I didn't want the tests because they were really painful, you know, like they were cutting off lymph nodes and Ooh. doing biopsies oh. and, and also, um, you know, taking fluid out of my spine for different biopsies. And and it was so painful. And so I was arguing with them. But my family wanted me to have the tests because, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have the NDE. So they, they right. wanted to be sure because the doctors kept telling them that I'm still weak, I'm still critical. Uh-huh. But I'm today, I am so glad I had those tests, all the tests done, because it proves what happened. It, I mean, I have proof. That's why I was on Dr. Oz, because people ask me for the test results uh-huh. for my medical records. Right, I mean. right. So, um, but yes, yeah, so within four days, the tumors had shrunk by 70%. Wow. Within three and a half weeks, they could find no trace of cancer in my body. Oh, wow. That's a, such an amazing story. And then eventually you entered your normal life, right? With a <laughs> yes, whole lot of normal. insight and information that, that you had to process and integrate. And when we're going to go to another quick break, but when we return, Anita, I'm going to love for you to share with our audience how you've, you've managed to integrate that and what messages you have for us to take your insights from this other realm to apply in our daily lives. More with Anita Morjani in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Right now, ask yourself, how far are you from your dream? Are you closer today than yesterday? Entrepreneur and personal coach Deborah Rothschild brings the wit and wisdom to transform you into a new dynamic you. Tune in to the Deborah Rothschild Show, developing a dynamic you. To learn more about Deborah, visit thedebrashow.com. That's the D E B R A show.com. Tune in live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on transformationtalkradio.com. Your money is your creational energy when you feed your wealth back into what you love. It signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. 
On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Christine Upchurch Show. Christine would like to wish everyone the warmest and happiest of holidays. Welcome back to The Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm having a conversation today with Anita Morjani, New York Times bestselling author, and she has a new book out, and it is entitled, What If This Is Heaven? How Our Cultural Myths Prevent Us from Experiencing Heaven on Earth. Now, Anita, you talked a lot about your story of essentially going to this realm, having a near-death experience, this, this, this ethereal realm where we must go, you know, when, our, when we let go of our bodies, and then returning here. And I know you were, you know, working to integrate your insights, wisdom, and that pure love into your daily life. So, first of all, was that an easy task? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was different. I was not the person that I used to be, that person who got cancer, that person who was the people pleaser, um, the one who was afraid of everything, including my own shadow, and the person who never felt worthy or deserving. I was not that person anymore. Uh-huh. I was somebody who knew that I was a channel for something bigger and something more. And and again, and I want to say here, we all are. The problem is not that some of us are more powerful than others. Uh-huh. The problem is some of us know it. And most of us don't. And what I realized was that it's our early conditioning that prevents us from knowing it. So in other words, all of us are powerful. All of us are not broken. We all come from perfection. We all go back to perfection. Mm -hmm. But what happens along the way is that this knowledge gets conditioned out of us. So my premise is that there is nothing wrong with you. You already are powerful you are not broken. Uh-huh. It's just that you don't realize it. Whereas most other teachings make you believe you are broken and you need fixing. Uh-huh. I tell you, you are not broken. You don't need fixing. Your problem is that you don't know it. Not that you are broken, but that you don't know you are not broken. That uh, is your. Uh, that is the problem. And that is such a powerful message. So, what is the cultural conditioning that leads us to believe that we are broken? Um, somehow, I, I mean, I believe that uh, our, all of it, our school, our education systems, uh-huh. our religions, our governments, our medical systems, all of them are fear-based. They use a fear-based model. So in other words, when we go through school, we, um, we're taught by a feeling of a fear of failing instead of um, being encouraged to follow our passion. And and so there is no passion for learning. It's mm-hmm. more a fear of failing. That's the motivation oh, yes. factor. So even in our government, you know, it's all fear-based, fear of immigration, people immigrating and taking our jobs, fear uh-huh. of there not being enough, lack, fear of a lack of abundance and money and finances. It's right. all fear-based. Everything is fear-based. Even in our medical system, it's fear of illness. It's not about promoting well-being and health and mm-hmm. happiness and joy. It's about fear of illness. And that leads us to believe that we have to work really hard to get ahead of everyone and somehow we are destined to fail, which the system sets us up to fail. Uh And so we believe that we are failures and we're losers and we're broken, but we are not because if you are here to be an expression of the divine or an expression of what you came here to be. And all your, your only job is to get in touch with your own truth and be who you are. How can you fail? Mm-hmm. But I've jumped ahead of myself a little bit because I wanted to actually tell you that when I started to speak about the things that I learned, uh-huh. people thought I was 
delusional because everything I said went against conventional religion. It went against conventional right. medicine. It went against everything that we learn. And I thought everybody would be really interested. I mean, who wouldn't be sure. interested in having a better life? Because I realized that everything that we're taught culturally and educationally and everything we're taught is the opposite of what we actually need to be happy and healthy and fulfilled and abundant. It's the opposite. So I thought, <clears throat> why wouldn't everyone want to know this? Because it can, fix, it can heal their lives. Right. And yeah. I realized, no, people are really invested in religions being a certain way and our medical system being a certain way and the government's being a certain way and our education system being a certain way. So people said I was delusional. And so I stopped sharing. I just stopped oh, sharing. Oh, dear. And, and, and the, we so then, need your message. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, but it was, I was meant to share because what happened is that my husband told me to just write about it, just write about everything I feel, uh -huh. which I did. I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I put it up on an internet site. Um, I didn't even put my full name on it. I just put Anita M. That was it. No, uh -huh. you know, and then it was just my insights, my near-death experience, everything, the cancer healing. And um, what happened is I didn't know this, but it went viral uh -huh. and somebody shared it with Wayne Dyer. And he said people share stuff with him all the time, and uh -huh. most of the time he dismisses it. Right. But he said when he started reading my story, the first few lines, he couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. So he contacted Hay House, and he told them, you have to track this woman down. Right, right. And, and so that's how it came about that I... Um, they, um, Hay House sent me an email and said, Wayne Dyer has discovered your story and would like you to write a book. Yeah. And so, of course, I, I was ecstatic. And, and um, I started crying when I got that email because I thought, wow, the universe really wants me to share this story. Uh -huh. and, and then, yeah, and then my book got published by Hay House and Wayne had me on TV and, and the mm -hmm. book hit the New York Times bestseller list. So and, so there you have mm -hmm. these these messages that sort of are bucking the status quo. Um, yes. How do we break through the how stuck people are in their belief systems? We have to follow our own inner guidance and not, and we have to really follow our own heart. And it's not easy because. Um, what I did was I had to move away from my own, my old neighborhood. And I'll tell you what it feels like. It's sort of like you can liken it to if you imagine somebody who maybe had a substance abuse problem and then they go for rehabilitation. Uh -huh. And then when they come out of rehabilitation, they then start to think, oh, my God, I have to go back into my old environment oh where I developed the problem in the first place. Uh -huh. And it's, that's exactly what it feels like because I was not that person anymore who got cancer. Right. And I didn't know how I would be received in that old environment. And I knew I couldn't deal with being in that old environment, uh -huh. being who I was. We had to move. We moved to a different neighborhood miles away. Uh -huh. And we had to start again with people who didn't know us. Now, here's the interesting thing, is that um, I had that near-death experience. I, you know, we came back from it, and I was a different person. That was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I always had the choice of either integrating back with the people or staying in my truth of what I learned in the other realm. Mm -hmm. Of course, I stayed in my truth because I knew that I had to love myself like my life depends on it, uh -huh. because it does, right. because being the person I used to be was the one that got cancer. And today, 10 years on, those same people that said I was delusional, many of them have come back into my life and say, wow, I want some of what you have. How did you do it? Uh -huh. Right. But I, I understand this, this need to sort of, um, how do I put this, kind of like to, to get whole in yourself in, with the integration. It's, it's like years ago, I had the early stages of lymphoma, 
And um, I ended up healing myself without any medical treatment. Not long story. But um, what I found was I needed to not let my family know for the first year because I was afraid that I would not be able to do what I needed to do and, and feel right about it if I allowed their beliefs to sort of come into my environment. So I, I, I totally get this concept of, yes. of needing to separate from the old belief system. That's exactly it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then, and, um, you know, and, and I just to tell you on this subject, how the title of my second book came about was that I looked back on these last 10 years now, you know, the, uh-huh. like since then, Wayne had discovered my story, my book came out, and, and I've had to always follow my heart, even if it went against what other people believe and think. Uh-huh. And I looked back on these last 10 years, and I thought, wow, um, all the fear that I used to have before before the near-death experience, all that has been gone. And for me, that's the big difference between living heaven and living hell. There's no fear. Ooh, there's I no fear. That. There's this feeling. Yeah. And, and there's this feeling of total trust. And I thought, wow, I felt guided. Wayne's discovered my story. My book, you know, the first book has done really well. And I'm looking back and I'm thinking, I've not feared where the finances were coming from. Uh-huh. I've been able to follow my heart and do whatever I want to do every day. I've not feared my health. And then I thought, wait a minute, it sounds like heaven. Maybe when I, and I started to think, maybe when I died, I didn't come back. And this is what living heaven is, because this is exactly what I would want. There's nothing I'm doing that I would do differently if I was in heaven and was creating whatever I wanted to create. And I thought, maybe this is heaven. And that's why the title of my book, What If This Is Heaven? That gives me chills. We have to go to another break, but more in just a few moments. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious. Keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs in what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836 
That's 425-999-9836. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Christine Upchurch Show. Christine would like to wish everyone the warmest and happiest of holidays. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, Anita, um, you've got 10 cultural myths that you address, and I know we've touched upon a couple of them already, but there's one in particular that I think is so rampant, whether it's directly through religion or just in some sort of sense that we all have, and that is that we pay for sins at death. That's one of the myths you address. Can you share with our listeners your perspective about that? Yes. Um, a lot of people believe that we pay for our sins at death. And in different cultures, it's different. Like in um, in the culture I come from, we believe that we will have karmic retribution or that if we're struggling in this life, we're paying for something we did in a past life. Right. Um, what I learned when I was in that realm, that there is no judgment. There's no judgment. There's no punishment. It's actually everything that happens in this realm is just part of our experience. And when we do things that hurt other people, when we do them, we're doing them either out of a complete ignorance of the truth of why we came here, mm-hmm. or we're doing it out of fear, fear of um for example, when people hurt others, they do it out of their own fears. And truly a self-actualized, self-fulfilled, happy, joyful person would never deliberately go and hurt other people. Mm-hmm. So the aim really of being here is to find, is to be happy and to be joyful and to spread that happiness and that joy. And what I realized when we're in the other realm, if somebody has had a very painful life that causes them to hurt others, they're not going to have more pain when they cross over. They're going to have the hindsight to see that, oh, this is what caused it. I was in pain because of whatever it was, Uh abuse as children. But even the abuser, even the perpetrator is also a victim that caused them to perpetrate what they did. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can see the whole picture of why everyone does what they do. And all you feel in that realm is this connection with everyone, like we're all connected. Mm -hmm. And there's this empathy and compassion and understanding of why everyone did what they did with zero judgment, zero judgment. So I I think this this message is so important for people who are older, for people who are ill or, you know, near death. I think that there is a... yeah, I don't know how. I, with my mother, I I feel intuitively that she actually started getting dementia because she was so afraid of death, and and I think it really relates to judgment. And my father, at one point, you know, he was sort of stuck in sort of the the religious mode too, and said, you know, that Jesus, uh, they say that Jesus forgives, but I don't think I'm forgivable, kind of thing. And so I watched my parents sort yeah. of at the end of their lives dealing with this sense of not being worthy of that love on the other side. And so it's such an important message that you're sharing. And, and you know, the sad thing is for those of us who fear death, like I did, I feared the afterlife and I tailored my life. This was before the NDE. I tailored it to create good karma all the time. I was so careful about not creating bad karma. And I'm sure many, Many people who are Catholics or believers of other religions will be so careful because their belief and their fear, it's not about a belief in the afterlife, it's a fear. Uh Because, you know, even the term God-fearing was always seen as a positive term, but it shouldn't be. I mean, we absolutely should not fear the afterlife. There's nothing to fear. And what I like to tell people is, if you discovered that there is no reward for doing good in the afterlife, if you're not going to get rewarded, would you live your life differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if so, how and why? I mean, that means we're not living authentically. And actually, if this is heaven, 
this is the reward. Being here is the reward. Creating the life of our dreams is the reward in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be rewarded afterwards for doing that. Life is, we're supposed to come here and make the most of it. Uh And that brings us to another one of the cultural myths that you present that I just absolutely love. The myth is we must always be positive. (laughs) I know. Um, And the thing is that I used to believe that. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, I thought, oh, my gosh, how could I get cancer? How could my thoughts have created that? Because I've always had made, I've always made sure that I have positive thoughts. Here's the problem with that, with believing we have to always be positive and positive thoughts create a positive reality. What happens, what this does is that when we have negative thoughts, we deny them, we push them down. Uh And what this uh, does, yes, and what this does is that it sends ourselves the message that, that not all my thoughts are good. In other words, it sends ourselves the message that I can't accept all of who I am, so I have to suppress parts of myself. I say it's not about positive thoughts. It's about loving yourself, accepting yourself, and accepting all of yourself, including the negative thoughts. And when you accept the negative thoughts, they pass. They pass. They don't cause a problem. When you deny them and you suppress them, you're denying yourself an authentic journey. Right. You're denying yourself an authentic experience. Being authentic is more important than being positive. And when you are allowing yourself to be authentic, when you love yourself, you are telling yourself that all of yourself is lovable. When you deny parts of yourself because you've judged it as being negative, uh-huh. you are telling yourself that parts of you is not lovable. But when you accept all of you, you go through to the other side of yourself. I mean, as you accept all of you, you actually go through even those things that you would judge as negative. Uh And on the other side is where your true gold lies. It's where your true humanity lies. And we never allow ourselves to get there because we're constantly denying parts of ourselves and Uh judging it to be negative. What a beautiful and powerful message. Anita, I just want you to share with our listeners how they can connect with you. I know that you're working on some online programs. I know beginning in March, you've got, you know, a full schedule. How can they find out how to connect with you and more about the books? Okay. Um, I have a website that is anitamurjani.com. I would love to hear from you. I have a lot of videos on YouTube and I'm creating some online material. I'm constantly speaking all over the world and all over the U.S., but I would love for you to connect with me or on my Facebook page. That's Anita Morjani on Facebook. I also have a weekly radio show on Hay House. That's at hayhouseradio.com. It's on Wednesdays at 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern. I take phone calls. I would love to hear from you. So lots of ways to connect with me. Um, And my latest book is What If This Is Heaven?, if you pick up a copy and read it, I would love to hear your feedback. So, Wonderful. yeah, so yeah, thank and, you for connecting with me. And it's Anita Morjani, A N I T A M O O R J A N I. Anita, it's been a, a joy having you here and I'm I'm so grateful for the messages you you're sharing here today and the messages you're sharing with the world. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor being here. Uh, And thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.